Okay, so uh, again, our topic, our main topic and focus on these gospel growth classes here is uh, the fear of man versus the fear of God and how the fear of God should overshadow our fear of others so that we'll be better, uh, so that, yeah, so that God is at the center of everything that we do and he is our, uh, our hope. And so with that today, what we're going to kind of be going through between with me and Zach uh, over the next few weeks is kind of looking at specific areas in our life where the fear of man might be especially apparent and easy to see. Um, and so one of those is as we are kind of brainstorming some ideas of where, uh, where fear of man might manifest, might show itself, uh, one of them, and I, I think this is definitely one that for me that I, that I struggle with the fear of man with is uh, in the area of evangelism, you know, sharing the gospel sharing the good news to others. Um, and so, uh, quite predictably, again, if you know me, I'm going to go and uh, tell a history story because I just love history stories. And so, this one might not be one you know about because you can literally go like, like through the whole history of, of the Christian faith and you can look and find so many examples of people sharing the gospel and suffering for it and being exposed to what might be danger to them, and yet still persevering and wanting to share the gospel because it's pretty awesome. And so we're going to go to the 8th century uh, in Europe. Uh, so during this time, kind of the dominant kingdom that's emerged out of the Roman Empire is the kingdom of the Franks. So uh, our modern day France comes from the same word. The Franks are kind of the, the uh, big players in the area. But nearby the Franks in what's modern day Germany uh, is this people group called the Saxons. And now the Saxons, you can kind of, you're picturing them in your mind. You can kind of think of them as like, like you would like Vikings, you know, big, tough, hairy dudes that worship all sorts of other gods. Um, and so, yeah, these are really tough guys. Uh, the Franks, though, are a, is a Christian nation. This is where Charlemagne, if you know uh, some European history, Charlemagne is just coming onto his own and the Frankish Empire is expanding. Well, one of the things the Franks do as they expand is they send out missionaries to these groups including the Saxons, the big scary guys over in the, the east. And so one man by the name of Lebwin, and so Lebwin is uh, originally from England and he realizes that he, he needs to go and share the gospel to people that haven't heard it in the Saxon kingdom. And so uh, Lebwin goes to modern day the Netherlands, so they called Frisia back then, and so he, uh, he planted a church, and he built a church from the ground up um, there, kind of in the middle of, of where the Saxons had power and, and influence, and he built the church. He told people about the good news of Jesus and the fact there's only one God, and, and people started believing. People started coming to faith, and his, his church was growing. Well, the Saxon warlords who were nearby kind of were upset by this because it was taking away from, from some of their, uh, their influence. They were struggling against the Franks at this time and didn't really like the fact that Lebwin was telling them about Jesus and taking them away from their pagan gods. Uh, and so they went up to Lebwin's church and just burned it to the ground. Uh, this caused some fear and panic amongst the flock that Lebwin had. And uh, there, was, there was kind of a moment of like, okay, like, is this just going to fracture? Is the work that he'd done, is the the pillar that God has, has built here, is this going to kind of go and just dissipate? Well, uh, Lebwin decided that even though he was uh, being intimidated by the Saxons, that he wouldn't be totally controlled 
by the fear of man here. And so Lebwin, and this is what the sources say, is that he decides to go to this, this war council. Like, basically, like, think of, like, gathering of all, like, the big scary Saxon dudes that are here, like all of their, their chiefs, they're gathered, they're making pagan sacrifices to their false gods. And Leblin is said to have like materialized in the middle of them and then proclaimed to them, no, this is false. There's only one God and you should believe in him. Jesus came to save, your, save you from your sins. This is the only way to survive, right? Right in the middle of a Saxon encampment, right there in the middle of all of them, he proclaimed the gospel. And what do they do? They like, ah, what is this guy saying? They go, they try to seize him, and they try to kill him right there on the spot because they don't like this. Uh, he's able to unfortunately escape, but he goes back, goes back to, his, uh, to his church that had been burned to the ground, uh, rebuilds it with the help of other people in the area. The church tries to grow and expand, um, and Lebwin is not overcome by the fear of man. Um, even though a few years later after this event had happened, the Saxons do come back, they go and they burn the church again, uh, but this time with Leblin himself and some of the people inside of it. And so Leblin is killed and martyr for his faith. And as I said before, there's, there's really so many different examples you can find of missionaries who are willing to overcome all sorts of different, uh, different fears that they have for the sake of the gospel because the gospel is the most important thing. And so uh, I don't know about you, but when, when I look to, to tell other people the good news, to evangelize, I mean, I don't, it's not quite the same response as a band of Viking warriors pounding down and burning down my house, fortunately. But, I mean, I, quite honestly, like, I have experienced the fear of sharing my faith in different circumstances and different situations. Um, and so... Uh, I thought that this is especially, especially important to me as I was thinking through this. And so for Lebwin and for other missionaries, their love of God and their fear of God far outshadowed their fear of man. And so as all of us are called to listen to Jesus, all of us are, are called to go and preach the gospel, right? When Jesus left, he gave the great commission to his people. If you go into all the nations and uh, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's not given when Jesus said that. That's not given to just a certain group of people, you know, the, just the apostles or just people who are vocationally missionaries. But no, that's given to the whole of the church, which includes us. And so uh, we need to be ready to share our faith with others. And I mean, the fact that we're here in Utah, I think is especially like, this is it. This is a place that needs, that needs Jesus desperately, that needs the Bible. Um, I mean, I've, I've been doing with... Uh, uh, with Jared and with Luke Bielsma, we've been, we've been calling a, a good number of churches uh, in the kind of northern Utah area. Uh, and one of the things that I'm finding is, is we're, we're calling more and more churches is the desperation that the pastors have and their, their love for the people of Utah, who really, in, in, like by some definitions, you can consider Utah almost an unreached group. You know, uh, it seems that the, the number of Bible-believing Christians is probably around like 3%. Uh, or maybe even less. That's, you know, three out of a hundred people that you see here in Salt Lake County area, only three of them out of a hundred actually believe the truth of God's word. And so no matter where you are here, you can't avoid by being around people that need the gospel, that need the truth, whether that's your neighbors, your coworkers, um, you know, the person next to you in the grocery store, you're going to be around people that are not Christians. 
And so sharing the gospel and evangelizing is important. And so, I mean, honestly, you're, you're, probably, you're probably aware of that in general. You're probably aware of uh, the, the need and calling that you have to, uh, to tell others about Jesus. Um, however, it's, it's, it, it, it can be challenging at some time. I mean, I, I've definitely thought back at like conversations that I've had where, you know, I'll, I'll kind of have a great conversation with someone and then maybe, you know, like, like a couple hours later, I'm thinking back, I'm like, oh my goodness, like that was a great opportunity for me to tell them about the Bible. And then I'm like, wow, like why, why didn't I do that? Um, and I think, I think a lot of it does come from, from, our, from our fear of others and how they might, might think and react to, uh, to the word. And so uh, this class that I'm talking about, uh, we're not talking specifically about how evangelism uh, should work or how to like go about doing it in a practical sense um, or even just to kind of get you pumped up. But um, I, I, I do think it's important to look at this and look at evangelism in the context of saying, okay, because of the awesomeness of the gospel, because of what God has done for us, I should do it. And so I want to encourage you in that. And so uh, in the first week that we went through this course, I kind of talked about three different, uh, uh, three different things that, uh, that come out of the fear of man, three different things that we, uh, that we feel when we are, uh, when we're experiencing the fear of man, three different areas. Does anyone uh, remember any of them? It's okay if you don't, I won't be hurt too much. Just, just a little. So I talked about like three different like big fears that we have when we talk about the fear of man. Rejection. rejection. Awesome. So you have fear of rejection. So I was going to write in cursive. Because I was a school teacher, like, we had to write in cursive on the board, and so my automatic proclivity is to do that. Okay, rejection. Yes, good. Sorry? Harm. harm. Awesome. Well, not awesome, but that's it. Right one. <laughs> cool. Harm. Yes. And there's one more. Begins with the letter E. Exposure. Exposure. Thanks, Byron. Exposure. Put that over here. So, so we've got rejection, harm, and exposure. And so uh, let, let's brainstorm some things. Uh, like, what... Let's start, with, uh, let's start with rejection, right? When we're trying to tell people the good news about, about Jesus, what are some ways we experience the fear of man uh, in terms of experiencing rejection from others? What might you be fearing or fearing rejection uh, in evangelizing? Damaging friendships that we have, relationships. Okay, yes, right? Maybe we'll be, yeah, ostracized. Relationships, right? We might think that someone will think, there's one R in relationships. We might think that uh, that might be harmed. Great. Awesome. Here are ideas. Opportunity. Opportunity. Like. Opportunity for advancement. Yes, yes, absolutely, that can be a thing. Opportunity for advancement, work, awesome. Cool. What else? Let's see if we can get like one more. Yeah. Being misunderstood. Mm, okay, being misunderstood. Great. Okay, awesome. How about, how about harm? These are more, more, more practical sense. Like how might we feel 
fear, uh, feel harm. I mean, not just even here in Utah, but uh, even, even outside of a Utah context. What might be some even legit fear of, uh, fear of harm you might experience? Death and imprisonment? Yeah, absolutely. Death and imprisonment. There are plenty of cultures that, uh, that this, is a, this is a legitimate fear. Right, right. This is what the this is what the early apostles experienced. Right? Good. Absolutely. Professional consequences, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean getting getting fired is, is a legit fear. Professional consequences. Great. Okay, and then how about, uh, how about in terms of, uh, of, of exposure? How might we fear being, uh, being exposed when sharing the gospel? Maybe fear of not knowing how to answer questions. Great, yes, absolutely, right? Fear of not, not knowing what to say, of not answering well. Cool. I'm kind of going along with that. I was thinking like, like just feeling stupid. Feeling dumb. <laughs> yeah. Any, any other ones in there? Say, what about being exposed as a hypocrite? Yes, absolutely. That's great. Yes. Exposure as a hypocrite. Because we know we're not, we're not perfect. And if we're saying, okay, like, this is what I believe, and people look at our lives, or look at it even like we look at our own hearts, and are like, man, hope people don't see that side of me. Great. Okay, so these are some good ideas, and so uh, kind of to look through this, I, I thought that uh, that a good way was I found a passage in uh, in First Peter uh, that I thought was especially informative. So let's uh, let's see. <clears throat> Uh, so, I'll read this to you. So, this is from 1 Peter 3, 8 through 18. So, finally, all of you have unity of mind. This is Peter talking to, uh, talking to the churches in, in Asia. I'll give you that background, right? So, he's talking to modern-day Turkey, uh, encouraging the churches, uh, telling them to be, uh, to be holy, uh, to, be, to hold tightly to, to the gospel. And he's encouraging them here and talking also about uh, the suffering that they might experience. And so it says, okay, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect having good, good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 
For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So, so I was thinking through this, and uh, Zach, I think, outlined a really great uh, uh, kind of lens through which to look at the fear of man and having the fear of God overshadow that last week. And so he pointed out three different, three different ways of thinking. So first, pointed out humility being a big one. So humility was his first, and then obedience and prayer. And I think we can see that uh, all of those in this, uh, in this passage from 1 Peter. Okay, so... Uh, like, I'm looking at humility first, and I'm especially going to think about that in the area of exposure. We put out some good ones here, right? The fear of not answering well, or feeling dumb, uh, or, or even being exposed as, as a hypocrite. Well, I think a humble person will be willing to admit that they don't have all of the answers when it comes to, to sharing the gospel, because I think that's one thing I think that, like, uh, that I've experienced sometimes and is sharing with other people and that I'm going to say something and they're going to have a question, I'm not going to be able to answer it. Well, I think that that's okay. And then we should lead into that. They say, okay, like I don't know everything, but that's all right. That, that shouldn't keep me from still telling what I do know and for giving people, uh, yeah, giving people a little taste of that. Right? God doesn't call us to be, be perfect with necessarily with how I share the gospel, but he calls us to be faithful with what he has in front of us. And if we, if we trust that, we trust, if we believe in God, we trust that the Holy Spirit is within us and will lead us to the right answers at the right time for the person that, that needs it. Um, I, and I think it's also important to remember that we're not the ones that do the saving. I, I kind of remember back, like I, when, I was, uh, when I was a younger guy I, uh, in college, I uh, was a camp counselor. And I remember kind of the first week uh, of being a camp counselor, right? Like I have this like cabin of kids who are, who are going to be here. And like, I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know their background, but I had this fear of like, okay, like they're having all these struggles or problems and they're going to come to me and I'm going to not know at all what I'm going to say to them, right? I had this fear of that. And I had a fear that, okay, if I don't like do an awesome job, well, they're not going to be saved, right? If, if it would, it's all about me of saying, okay, like if I mess this up, then whoop, they're screwed. No, but that's not the case. You see, I think that we need to trust that it's not us that does the saving, right? It's the Holy Spirit that convicts people. God's the one who does the saving. It's not my actions. It's not what I do. It's what God does for people. God's the one who changes people's hearts. And so that should kind of free us a little bit more to say, okay, I'm going to be faithful to what God called me to do right here. I'm going to speak the words. I'm going to speak the truth that's in the Bible and God will convict people's hearts, and God will change them. It's not me, right? Like if we look at verse, uh, verse 18 here, right? Right at the bottom, right? For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, right? It's not us, but he brings us to God, right? Putting to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. See, we're changed by God, and it's not what I do, but it's what he does for us. And so with that kind of mindset, when we approach evangelism, we approach kind of how we're acting towards other people, we say, okay, I'm not going to try to save this person. I'm going to trust that God does that for me. Okay, now kind of looking at, uh, at rejection, right? We might feel like, like, especially like we got relationships, opportunity for advancement in work, uh, and then being, uh, being generally misunderstood when we face rejection. And so like kind of with on the, the area of relationships, we might feel our uh, social ostracization, that because we believe a certain way, maybe we won't get invited to the right things. 
or, or have the right, uh, uh, the right friends or things like that. Well, uh, as Zach said last time, uh, the fear of God means we're obeying uh, what God calls us to. And so I think if we look at uh, kind of this, this, this middle section here uh, that, that Peter writes, right? I kind of like, so he says, now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good, right? If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're doing what's, what's right, then who's going to harm you? But then I like how the next verse he says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, right? Peter realizes that yes, it's good to act well, but you might still suffer for that and have no fear of them. And I think kind of the, 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 one of the key verses in this passage when we're looking at evangelism uh, is, uh, is right here in verse 15, right? But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Right here, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, right? Trust that if you're acting well and if you're being obedient to God's word, that there's opportunities that they're going to show up for, 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 to give people a reason for that hope that is within you, to give people a reason for, for, for why you are changed, why you're different. Like, if you, again, I'm going to go back to history because I well, can't help it, right? If you look at, like, the Roman Empire, uh, the way that the Roman Empire went from a pagan, completely pagan empire to a Christian empire 300 years later, it wasn't because, uh, it wasn't because of, like, uh, uh, it wasn't just because of like people saying things, right? The spirit was going out and, and changing people's hearts. But what, what happened is the Romans looked at individual Christians living their lives and they saw, wow, like those people are different. The, the way that the Romans lived was very, uh, very much against any sense of Christian morality. Um, I mean, in the same way that, uh, that our culture kind of rejects the Christian morality, the Romans did even more so. There's all sorts of, of bad stuff happening. But the Christians went and they cared for people. They loved others, right? When, when Peter says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for this you are called, right? He's saying, okay, like love other people. And when Romans looked at the way Christians were actually living their everyday lives, they saw, yes, they're actually doing this. They're actually loving others in a, in a dramatic way. When they had like big plagues uh, in, some, in some cities in Rome, well, a plague would happen and the Roman pagans would, would, would flee and run away. It's a plague-ridden house and they'd just abandon it and leave people to, to, to die. Well, there, there are stories and, and there, are, there are records of Christians going and actually ministering to people that, that, were, that were plague victims, that they cared about the people in their community in a way that the culture didn't really do so, right? I mean, like, it's, it's Sanctity of Life Sunday today and um, we had... Um, Roman, Romans would sometimes, if there was a weak child, would, would put it um, uh, to be abandoned completely. Well, how did the Christians show love is that they went and to places where they would abandon children and they adopted them and they took them and they cared for them. And through this love and through this, this, uh, uh, this, yeah, this way that they loved others, they're able to have an opportunity to say, okay, why is this happening? Well, it's happening because of what God has done for me and my thankfulness for that. I mean, the fact the word, the word evangelism itself uh, means the good news, right? Evangelism, that's what it, that's what it is. In Greek, it's, it's to, to share the good news. And I think when we're looking at the fear of rejection, we need to remember that we literally are sharing the good news, that this is, this is fantastic, tremendous, unbelievable good news for people that are lost and people that are sinful. 
I think that sometimes we, we might even, we might forget that, right? That, that people without Christ, they're, I mean, they're heading to hell. And then what's, what's, what is fear of rejection against that truth that the gospel is the only thing that saves, right? Like a, a, um, a mother who's, uh, who's outside, who's, whose child is running towards the, sh- the street, are they going to fear rejection and maybe some like social stigma first yelling and screaming, no, come back. Maybe they're running like crazy, like, a, like it looks like a crazy person from the outside, but if they care about their child, they want them to come back, even if they look crazy in the, in the meantime. We have the same thing as we know the danger of hell. We know that God is loving. We know that he saves. And so, of course, we should proclaim the good news. And we shouldn't keep it to ourselves. Okay, and then uh, the last section is uh, the fear of, of harm we might, we might feel. Right? We might, in, in, in other times, in, in other places now, death and imprisonment face people that share the good news uh, all the time. Uh, and we might experience professional consequences as well in our own occupation. Right? And as I talked about uh, before, like, there are so many missionaries of, of so many uh, uh, around the world, some great stories of people that are willing to go through all tremendous harm for, for the sake of the gospel. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite quotes, if you're familiar with uh, um, uh, Jim Elliott, who is a, who's a missionary in, in South America. Uh, well, I, he says something very profound that I thought was, was good. He says um, that um, uh, why uh, are only a fool would, would uh, give that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose, right? Like, we have eternal life. So why would I, that's the most important thing. So why not share that? Why not risk harm? Why not fear rejection? And look at the example of Stephen, right, in Acts 7, right? Stephen is a deacon in the early church. Um, he, he goes and, and tells, tells the gospel, tells good news. He just can't stop telling people about, about Jesus. He's taken, he's arrested, put before a council. And what does he do to them before the council, right, with, with the fear of death, right, right there in front of him, as he tells them the whole story of the gospel from Genesis all the way up through Christ and says, Christ, this is what the scriptures are about. This is your only hope. And what is the result? Well, the council condemns him to death. They bring him out and stone him. And his response as he's being stoned is to pray. Um, And that was the last point that that Zach brought up um, last week, that when we're facing harm uh, and we're facing rejection and exposure, fear of God means that we call on the Lord to save us, that we cling tight to who he is and anchor ourselves in him, the only one true thing that is an anchor, that is a firm foundation, right? Stephen prayed when he was being stoned as he was dying, he asked God to receive his spirit and to forgive those that killed him. That's what he did. And that's what we should do too, is we're looking to, to evangelize and tell people. And that's, that's how we, that's, that's, that's the true fear of the Lord. I think of a story of, um, so I, as I was reading this week, uh, yesterday actually was uh, the anniversary of the Challenger disaster, right? And uh, as I was reading, I, I thought a great, uh, great example of how uh, rejection and fear of man can, can uh, should be overcome with what is good. And so there were a couple engineers uh, who the day before, so the Challenger, sorry, the Challenger is a space shuttle that was, uh, that was launched off. Uh, uh, in 1986. 
And so the day before the launch happened, these couple engineers realized that there might be a danger. They had studied how uh, these oxygen rings worked on the space shuttle, and they realized that if the temperature was below 53 degrees, then there was a danger of them shrinking and some gases being able to escape, uh, which could cause an explosion. And so they went up to their, their supervisors and said, hey, tomorrow when we're scheduled for the launch, it's going to be about 28 degrees, and that's way too cold, and things are dangerous. And despite the fact that they told this to the supervisors, supervisors who didn't want to delay the launch, it had already been del delayed like three times before then, the, the supervisors said, we're still going to go ahead and do it. Well, these, these engineers who were right um, saw that the next day when they did launch and they didn't listen to them, uh, the, the shuttle exploded, killing seven people. Um, and so later on, there was kind of an inquest and these, these engineers you would think that like, maybe for, for, for trying to tell the truth of what's going to happen, try to tell the danger, maybe they'd be lauded. But no, they were fired from their jobs for disloyalty to their company and that they were saying what's true, what actually happened, and yet they were fired from it. I mean, I think in the same way, like here, here on Earth, we know the danger of, of, of not believing in, in the word of God. Um, and so we know that there's something wrong with the world. And so we should proclaim that people sometimes might be on a rocket ship headed towards destruction. We know the good news, we know the truth, and we should share it with others. Okay, so what should we do? And I'll end with this. These are some good action steps. So uh, I've been reading a book recently called Follow Me by David Platt. And one of the things that he does in the book is uh, he talks about how the gospel has gone out in regions that are not very safe to Christianity. And one of the, uh, one of the, the places that he talks about is in uh, uh, some Muslim-majority countries where it's illegal to uh, apostatize to convert from Islam to anything else. Well, when people become a Christian in these countries, they're giving up a lot, right? There, there's all sorts of, of, of very legitimate fears that people have there. Well, when they come to, when they come to, uh, uh, to saving faith, when they're converted, the, the missionaries, a lot of times, they encourage them to actually write down the list of 10 people who they think are least likely to kill them for believing in the gospel. Um, and so I was kind of thinking about this of like, like in, in my everyday life, and I think a good idea to start for us if we're looking to evangelize and tell people of their need of Jesus is to make a list of people. And so I encourage you uh, like right now, like between now and uh, before you go out on the rest, rest of your day, like think of at least three to five people that you know are, that are in your life, somewhere in your sphere of influence that need the truth. Make a list. I wrote mine down on my, um, on my phone, just in my notes app here. I wrote them down, right? And it's just writing down can give you a sense of, okay, like this is like actually a goal rather than it being something like, oh yes, uh, those people, I guess they need the Lord. Um, or maybe when you're praying, you're like, hmm, who should I pray about that needs Jesus? Oh yeah, that guy over there, I'll pray about him. But if you make it purposeful, there's much more chance of things actually happening. And so make a list of people and then develop a strategy. Think of ways that you can evangelize. Uh, be purposeful in pursuing a relationship with, with, with the people that are lost. And don't come at it as a, like a, like a savior mentality of like, ah, oh, these are the people that I'm going to save. Because remember, it's God that saves and not us. But be purposeful about, about pursuing them in relationship and, and walking alongside them in, in struggles that they might have. Uh, and so develop a strategy and, then find, and pray consistently for them. So like if you have a list in front of you, and this is, this is what I do, you can say, okay, I pray for... You know, I pray for my friend Tyler, that he would, uh, that God would save him. And I pray for opportunities that I have to share the gospel with him. And being consistent in your prayer, like make it a priority all the time to pray for them. And then finally, go and do it. 
right? When you have opportunities to spend with those people that you've written down, go ahead and take the time to share with them. Um, and then finally, kind of with that, uh, uh, sometimes it can feel ill-equipped to, uh, to share the gospel. I do want to give a little, uh, a little plug. There's a course called Journey uh, that's going to be happening at church starting at the beginning of March. Uh, and so Journey is, uh, is a kind of a course on, on missions and uh, how best to evangelize others. And so if you're looking for a way to get equipped in helping you evangelize and kind of giving you a heart for sharing the gospel, I highly recommend that you, uh, you jump in on that. Again, that's how we start in the beginning of March. So you can go to gospelgrace.com slash register and check it out there. Okay, so uh, I mean, I just want to encourage you, right? Look for those opportunities to share the gospel because it's pretty amazing. So let's pray and then we'll go. Dear God, uh, thanks for you. Thanks for giving us uh, your word that is true. God, I pray, for, uh, I pray for everyone here, Lord. I pray that you would give them opportunities to tell people the good news. I pray that, that your word would go out and you would change people's lives here in Utah, God, here from Gospel Grace, and help us to see that fruit. In your name, amen.